Oh, yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. We are back with you. The Steelers draft fix. I'm Jeremy Betts, and I'm joined again by draft guru here at BTSC behind the steel curtain. Your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Our draft guru, Andrew Wilbar. Andrew, it's a late Saturday night that we're recording, and I want to know how your weekend's going so far. It's going well. It's just getting to that point. And it's this way every year. Once you hit the beginning of April, it's like this panic mode in your mind. Like, man, I've got so many players I still want to look into that I don't have enough time to break down before the draft gets here. And there's so many things that the draft is just endless with just different players, uh, scouting reports to do, breaking down tape, so much to do. There's not enough time for everything. But yet we find a way to somehow break it down enough and go through as many prospects as we possibly can and still get there before the draft. And somehow it's always a blast draft weekend. We're getting close to it. Yeah, absolutely. Getting to see what the actual picks were after all the speculation, after all the analysis. Uh, But yeah, you're right. It's, it's tough cramming. And I'm sure on another level for you, since you're uh, cramming for college studies as well, it probably, it's hard to, put those ahead of uh, the draft stuff. Cause that's what you're passionate about, right? Oh yeah. 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 Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about both, but right. um, I mean, school definitely does come first, but uh, yeah, it's definitely difficult doing both. Sure. Hey, when I went off to college, my uh, mom told me that I needed to focus on God, then grades and then girls. And that was the order of things. So hopefully you're doing the same over there. Uh, where you're at keeping things in the right perspective (laughs) all right cool deal so here on the Steelers draft fix we are going to to dive into some mock drafts uh Andrew has been keeping you guys up to date with with a mock draft that he's been doing um and he is on I believe it's 3.0 now is that correct yes all right mock draft 3.0 you can check that out at behindthesteelcurtain.com as well as on Tuesday, so the day after this will run, on Tuesday you'll get to see my Steelers-only seven-round mock. And uh, basically what I decided to do with that type of exercise is to list the positions basically that I think the Steelers will either be very interested in or most likely to draft in any given round. And then a player that I like, that would fall in that uh, range of of uh, draftability there. So it, we come at it from a little bit different approach. Andrew's coming at it from this is what I think could happen. I'm coming at it more from a, hey, this is position groups that I think the Steelers could target. Here's some players that kind of fit the description and fit the round that they're picking that position in. So a little different, but we're going to kind of look at those together and um, – you know, debate some of the picks or uh, discuss what we had in common for uh, some of the picks as well. So we're going to call it Mock Madness. Tonight you're going to be watching the uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, hopefully between my blue Duke Blue Devils and uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, as we're recording this, the game is not over the Duke game, so uh, that is something to, that I'm keeping an eye on here. Um, but Andrew, I want, I want to, uh, throw it to you first when, as we dig into the, these mocks here, um, because you've got some interesting movement in your first couple rounds. Tell us what you did in mock draft 3.0 rounds one and two. 
Well, Malik Willis wasn't available in this mock draft. I have the Saints moving up to 13, I believe, with Houston uh, to go up and get Malik Willis. So with Willis off the board, and this is one reason why I've left Malik Willis off the board in two of my mocks in a row now, because I want to see how the board could potentially play out if he isn't there. If the Steelers decide not to trade up for him, where else could the Steelers go? And I know the Steelers aren't much for trading back in the first round. But you keep hearing rumors about Kansas City, and now that they've lost Tyreek Hill, do they go after Jamison Williams, who has who's the closest thing you're going to find to Tyreek Hill in terms of speed in right. this draft and athleticism? You know, is that why Kansas City was willing to get rid of Tyreek Hill because they know they can get Jamison Williams? You have New England at 21. You have the Packers, I believe, at 22. You have uh, wide receiver needy teams right after the Steelers pick. So if Kansas City really wants Jamison Williams. They're going to have to move up for him above New England and above Green Bay. And guess who's picking at 20? The Pittsburgh Steelers. So in this mock draft, I actually had the Steelers trading down to pick 29 to get Andrew Booth, who we've talked about before, and we'll talk about again once we get to the corners. Not going to take the time to break them down today. But uh, pick 29 provides really good value. And in that trade, the Steelers get back in compensation a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick by Kansas City. So that's about average for the trade value chart. You move back nine spots toward the end of the first round. You get approximately a third and a fourth round pick back, late third, mid to late fourth round pick. I think that would be solid compensation for the Steelers who really, if they're not taking a quarterback at 20, they could probably get a relatively similar player at 29 that they would be getting at 20. Correct, yes. And then uh, in the second round, I did have the Steelers moving up for Desmond Ritter. And we're going to have to, you know, figure out how we got here because we took two totally different routes with Desmond Ritter. I had us moving up in the second round only because the trade value is a lot cheaper if you wait until the second round. I know you miss that fifth-year option when you do that, but you do uh, get a much better deal overall. So I had the Steelers just giving up a third-round pick. So in by doing both trades, the Steelers gained a fourth-round pick, and we ended up with Desmond Ritter at pick 40, I believe, trained with the Seahawks, and then Andrew Booth at 29 in the first round. Well, I can't argue with that because that is fantastic. If the Steelers can pull that off, I think I think you'd uh, probably have live camera feed in my house seeing me jumping up and down in the living room with excitement because that would be absolutely uh, one of the best case scenarios I could think of for the Steelers. I love the trade back. I think that that's uh, it. I think it's more in their line of thinking this year. It, it has to be. Um, be just because of where they're at and what they're looking for. It's, it's different than most years where they've had the franchise quarterback, where they've had the guy behind center and they're uh, ready to just take a uh, best player available at their selection number that they are sitting at. So this year it's a little different there. They've got to be a little more strategic with how uh, they attack this. So I really like that getting Ritter in the second round is way better than where I have them picking him up, which is, at 20 in the first round. And the reason I went with that is I think the Steelers are fairly, well, my thought has been that the Steelers are fairly locked in at quarterback in the first round. That's changing a little bit, but I do see an, a scenario where the Steelers uh, look at the guys behind them at the back end of the first and the early part of the second. And they think we're not going to get anybody that we like if we do not pick a quarterback at 20 or trade back and get one later in the first. So to me in, in that situation, they uh, jump ahead of 
schedule a little bit with Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett already off the board in my mind in the first round. And they go out and get the uber athletic Desmond Ritter. He's got a ton of upside, a lot of experience in college. That's why I think he would be the pick over a guy, maybe even like uh, Matt Corral or Sam Howell in that position, because I think he offers more upside. He's got a uh, more NFL prototypical uh, body type and uh, but the athleticism speed is off the charts. So we both got to Ritter, which is interesting because uh, I think it's, it's a strong possibility that he's the target at quarterback. If the top guy Malik Willis that they, that they seemingly love is not someone that they can go get in round two. For me, I picked Ritter's teammate, uh, Alec Pierce, the wide receiver uh, from the Cincinnati Bearcats. And uh, in this scenario, I think the Steelers really need wide receiver help. I think they know that. I think they're very comfortable with their ability to draft wide receiver help, which is why you haven't seen them go out and get somebody in free agency really to fill a wide receiver three or whatever role on this team behind Johnson and Claypool. Um, and the reason I go with Alec Pierce is because in my mind, Christian Watson has skyrocketed too high to be taken at 52. He's going to go earlier than that. And he's the type of receiver that I think the Steelers would go after. So the next closest to that in that range is Alec Pierce and uh, his familiarity with Desmond Ritter and the fact that they could compete together in Pittsburgh and uh, help each other grow and progress in at the NFL level is why I went the Alec Pierce route. I'm curious about your thoughts about Pierce. Well, I think there's a lot of upside. Obviously he ran a lot better than what I expected. The only concern is that he doesn't play that fast, but I said the same thing about Chase Claypool. So, you know, there's some similarities between him and Claypool in terms of their ability to win on contested catches. Uh, of course with Claypool it makes them a little bit more difficult than what sometimes they need to be. But right. nonetheless, <laughs> um, you know, Alec Pierce, he has a lot of talent. And what I do like about that is that you would keep that chemistry. Obviously the Steelers tried that when they brought in Mason Rudolph and James Washington didn't exactly work. Washington actually did better with Duck Hodges than he did with Mason Rudolph. Right. It made no sense at all. But in that aspect, I like it. I have a third round grade on Alec Pierce, so I would be a little bit upset just because it's a slight reach. Plus, the Steelers don't seem to like playing Deontay Johnson in the slot a whole lot. So it would I think if the Steelers do go after a receiver, I mean, obviously, I would love Christian Watson. If he falls to the Steelers, I don't care. You take him, put Claypool in the slot if you yeah. have to put um, Deontay Johnson in the slot. doesn't matter. But I think the Steelers are going to be looking for someone that does have some ability in the slot, whether that's Sky Moore from Western Michigan or, you know, I don't, I think Kelvin Austin's a little bit too small. I don't think they would go for someone that, um, that slight of frame, but there's a lot of receivers in this draft that are slot guys that the Steelers would tend to like more. So I'm not sure, but at the same time, American Conference, the Steelers had a lot of representatives. I believe that eight representatives since he's pro day. So yep. in that aspect, I like it, but I am curious after round three, this is where we really start to differ. Where do you go in round three and, um, I'd kind of like to have a little bit of discussion just on, you know, how we got the, the positions that we decided on after this. Sure. Well, for me, round three starts with the Steelers taking um, Nick Cross out of uh, Maryland, the, the safety. It's such a versatile player. And uh, the reason I went safety here is because uh, he kind of fits the mold of if he's there in round three, he's best player available he's one of my favorite players in this entire draft his speed and his physicality are top level in this safety class and 
I think he could be a starter very early in his career. The Steelers are a little, um, uh, their starting strong safety position is a little up in the air. And I put Cross in as a strong safety because of his size and his athleticism and, and ability to play up a, around the line of scrimmage. And uh, his, his fit there is, to me, a big deal and is why I put him over maybe a cornerback or a defensive tackle in round three or even a linebacker. Uh, some of the other things that we've talked about earlier this offseason that may have been higher priorities. Safety right now is so unanswered on this team um, that I think that it pushes the need up the board a little bit and crosses BPA for me all day long in round three if he's there. Well, see, that that interesting part about that with Cross is that nobody was really talking about him before his combine performance, and I still have to look into some tape on him. I'm not finished with his scouting report yet, but it's interesting to see because he does have the size and the speed, but in that scenario, do you think that the value presents itself enough to take him over, say, you know, obviously maybe waiting around instead of taking out Pierce in round two, someone in round three maybe even Pierce is still available in round three how do how would you weigh that how would you weigh more positional need especially if the Steelers let's say the Steelers don't address safety at all how would you feel in terms of you know what is the bigger need per se receiver or safety and how do you think you would weigh that based off the depth of the draft because safety is a little a little bit um more shallow than right wide receiver so maybe in round two how would you weigh maybe let's say a Jalen Petrie in the second round compared to a Nick Cross in the third round. And, and I'm not saying that one answer is wrong or right or the other, but I'm just right. curious on your thoughts um, of where you think the positional value lines up. See, I, I tend to push safety down the charts uh, below wide receiver, which is why I think the Steelers will trust their evaluation process and hit up wide receiver earlier than safety. Um, but then you, you, you do look at what's the difference between Nick Cross and and Jalen Petrie. What's the difference there? They're both, um, you know, guys who have a lot of quality snaps in uh, defenses where they started, where they were impactful players. If you watch Nick Cross's tape, he's uh, a ball hawk and he is a fearless run support defender, even more so than uh, Petrie is. And uh, so it's just a, you know, it's a something where I was going with, Hey, wide receiver, they're going to look at this depth chart. They're going to say, we need help at wide receiver and we need somebody uh, right now that can be impactful for us. And uh, so that's why I went with uh, uh, Pierce whose stock has gone up. Um, maybe not as, as strongly as a sky Moore or a Christian Watson, but enough to where he's, he's pushing that second round conversation for me. And uh, the Steelers won't get him at the end of the third, in my opinion, but they might get a safety because safety is so devalued across the league. You see that in free agency. You see that um, in the draft as well. People are talking, hey, do we take Kyle Hamilton early enough uh, in the first round to make it or is it worth it to take him so early? And that's why talks of him sliding down are out there when he's probably one of the top three overall prospects in this draft definitely top five in my opinion yeah absolutely in round three I went with John Mechie just because I mean the value definitely lined up in this mock draft and there's no guarantee Mechie's there 
But one, I have a feeling one of these receivers are going to fall. I don't know which one it's going to be, but there's going to be a high-profile receiver that's going to fall in a class that has so many names at the top. And with Mechie, it's more reasonable just because of the injury that he sustained uh, last year. Or actually, it was just this uh, right at the end of the year. Right, SEC Championship, covered. I think. Yeah, SEC Championship game. And he started off really slow at the beginning of the year. His draft stock was beginning to plummet, and he came on strong at the end of the year. So it's going to be interesting to see – uh, where he winds up, what, how do teams feel about him? What will he run when he, what would he have run in the 40? I mean, he plays pretty fast. I don't know if he's a four, three guy, is he a four, four guy, but he can play inside, outside. He has that versatility the Steelers would like. Uh, so that's why I went with him in the third round. That would be really good value. Um, not necessarily my favorite wide receiver prospect, but at that point, that wouldn't be a bad pick at all. Um, it's just a matter of whether he's going to be there or not. What would you think of Mechie? Oh man, I love Mechie. Um, he was one of the guys that, um, was crossing my radar when I was originally going through some different picks in different rounds. Round three was uh, my target area for Mechie. And I, I had him actually written into my mock draft. Um, and then I went back and I switched a couple things up and uh, took Pierce around earlier and uh, put cross in, in the third round. But um, Mechie has a Juju Smith Schuster style. I think you could say that. Would you agree with that in his style of play? the ability to move inside or outside in a tough possession wide receiver with some speed. In terms of versatility, I think Juju Smith-Schuster had a little bit more physicality than Mechie. I feel like Mechie has a little bit more finesse. He's definitely quicker mm-hmm. in the open field than Juju is. But in terms of, yeah, inside-outside versatility, you can play him just about anywhere, about the same size as well. So right. that's I, I haven't really thought of comparing him to Juju per se because he's definitely a lot more explosive than an athlete. But, sure. yeah, in terms of versatility, that's actually – and maybe he could provide that, uh, you know, that aspect of that the Steelers lost with Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. So, you know, I, I love that pick for for your mock in round three, for sure. And to be honest with you, I love your mock draft. If the Steelers do this, it would be fantastic. I just have a hard time seeing them moving down in the first round um, enough to acquire the picks to move back up in the second. But then again, that's something that we'll see. And it, it's it's definitely a possibility, like I said, more so this year maybe than some other years. In round four, Andrew, we both took an offensive lineman. Who did you go with? And then we'll talk about uh, the guy I went with. I went with Chris Paul. And the big reason why was that I believe Pat Meyer was at the Tulsa Pro Day. Obviously, Tyler Smith is another guy who I'm really high on, but I don't think the Steelers are going to be looking at an offensive lineman that early just based on what they've done in free agency. Uh, But Chris Paul is another guy that was there. Maybe they were looking at him as well. He's impressed athletically both at the combine and uh, at his pro day. Very impressed. He can play tackle or guard. The Steelers like versatile alignment. Perhaps he's a guy they bring in to develop behind Jakumo Korpor, who maybe can take over midseason, maybe second year at right tackle. Not necessarily my dream pick, but I could see it happening just based off the Steelers being present at his pro day. At that point, you're just trying to put pieces together of what could potentially happen based on interest the Steelers have shown. So with Paul, I just felt like there was, there was, it was a little bit reasonable there. And the Steelers are generally to like players who either are from the American or the Mac or a power five conference. That's generally what it is. Then you have the occasional small schooler, but that's just generally where the Steelers go after their players. So I felt like Chris Paul was a guy being from Tulsa Steelers have shown some interest in somebody there. Obviously we'll see if it's Chris Paul. Sure. Uh, You know, he's, he's definitely got some athletic upside. And I, uh, once you get into the day three, uh, 
pick area, and I talk about this a lot in in my uh, mock that will be coming out on Tuesday. Um, the Steelers look for guys with traits, the the tools physically to be um, top level players, and then they trust their coaching and development ability in house to bring the best out of these guys and work on their technique and their fundamentals and get them to be um, elite talents. So Chris Paul kind of fits that mold. Another guy that I think fits that mold too, and the guy I have them picking in round four uh, is offensive tackle from North Dakota, uh, Matt Willetsko. And um, you and I have talked about him before when we did the offensive tackle uh, group breakdown for this draft. He's a guy with a lot of upside, a lot of size, um, and he played it at a small school as well. It's a it's a trend you see in in the Pittsburgh Steelers when they're they're going to the when they're running up cards to the um, to the podium for on draft days. So, uh, well, let's go. Kind of fits the same mold. Um, big dude, great length, uh, technical issues, needs a lot of fundamental coaching. Um, but the Steelers believe in their ability to do that. So. Uh, like I said, when I'm doing my mock, I'm just going off of positions, really, that I think the Steelers could address. Uh, so well, let's go, Chris, Paul. Those those two guys uh, kind of fit that mold for for what I was looking for. You have a second fourth round pick because of your trade scenario. Uh, so why don't you go and hit that before we jump into the uh, original picks uh, in the sixth and seventh round? Well, I had the Steelers game pick 139. I went with Demone Clark. I'm not going to break it down now because we're going to get done with the linebackers in the second half of the show but a guy who could potentially provide value on day three and we'll explain why if you stick around for the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely stick around because we're going to talk him and several others deep dive the linebacker units in the second half of the show. Um, Okay, let's move on to round six. I had the Steelers finally taking a cornerback here. Uh, So, you know, six rounds difference between uh, where you had them taking their first corner and where I did. And uh, really for me, it was, hey, these other positions are positions of need. Um, and the value of the cornerbacks available to me and that would be available in rounds three and four, um, didn't make it worth, uh, going up and getting one of those guys when you can get a Nick cross in round three and, a Uber athlete talent, like, uh, well, let's go to, to potentially be the tackle of the future for the Steelers. So I have them picking, um, cornerback, a Caleb Evans, um, from in uh with pick 208 in in round six he's got uh, incredible size six foot two and uh 200 pounds so he's a big big kid um he's very talented and run support the Steelers like that in their corners he's a good man coverage player um sticky cover corner but and and we'll talk about him probably more when we hit corners uh, on uh and defensive backs later on um but just a developmental prospect, I could see him sliding down because uh, of just that reason, uh, how developmental he is. Um, but the Steelers like their developmental prospects. And and again, he's a traits guy. He's got the physical tools. That's why I see them potentially going cornerback here. They've waited long enough. They've got to go get somebody or uh, the themselves and, and fan bases will be uh, pretty upset with the lack of, of, addressing that position. So I, I don't know if you've done a lot of scouting on Evans. He's an interesting scout, um, but you had somebody else here, uh, another wide receiver, I think, actually. So why don't you talk about your player um, after you let us know what you think about Evans. Well, with Evans, another thing is that he does have a little bit of safety versus 
versatility. You can play him at free safety as well. Obviously, a boundary corner, not going to be playing in the slot. They bring some size and speed, still raw, but he performed better than what I thought uh, at the senior bowl. So that was uh, kind of impressed me because in the past, a lot of Missouri defensive backs that have been hyped, I just have not fallen in love with that when I watched him on tape. And I still have to dive into Evans a little bit more, but he actually did not look that bad uh, at the combine. At this point, you're f- just trying to find guys that have some traits, things that you can develop. So the Steelers think they can develop them by all means. You know, that could be decent value there. Yeah, um, and I, I forgot to mention that um, he has some injury history as well. He's missed games in every season of his college career. So that's why he kind of fell down there, and I think he would be good value at the top of round six. Yeah, definitely. At that point, once you get to round six, round seven, I don't usually concern myself too much with injury concerns because if they don't pan out, you're not losing a whole lot. And right. if you're dra- and if you're getting a guy who, if not for the injury, would have been a lot higher pick, you're potentially getting the steal of the draft. So to me, it, the reward way outweighs the risk. Correct. Yeah. I, it, in round six, I went with Isaiah Weston, the wide receiver from Northern Iowa. Tony Pauling, who generally gives out pretty good insight, pretty good rumor information. Uh, he says that the Steelers have interest in Isaiah Weston, wide receiver from Northern Iowa. Uh, so we'll break him down when we get to the receivers. But it'll be interesting to see if the Steelers bite uh, with Weston. Yeah, absolutely. He's a he's an intriguing talent for sure. Okay, you finally uh, caught up to me and, and went safety with the first Steelers' first pick in round seven. Who'd you take? I went with Troy Palomalo's cousin, Isaiah Palomalo. It seems inevitable that the Steelers are going to wind up with one of Quentin Lake or or um, Connor Hayworth, the fullback slash tight end, yep. or uh, Isaiah Palomalo. There's some sort of bloodline that's going to come back. The family bloodline is <laughs> going to come back to the Steelers somehow. I just get that sense. But Paul Mouse, he had a really good, um, he had a really good uh, pro day. Very impressive. Uh, led by four, five, one forty. Time had some impressive uh, jumps. He's a very good athlete. He hits hard. Um, and then, do you want me to just finish with my other pick right now? Yeah, go for it. I just went with James Mitchell tight end from Virginia Tech. I wouldn't really care for this pick. It'd be a waste pick to me, but the Steelers seem to have this affinity for tight ends that are projects and have zero blocking ability. And they try <laughs> to develop them with Zach Gentry. It's worked out a lot better than what I thought it was going to. Uh, we'll see if what they can do with James Mitchell. He's a little bit smaller than what Gentry was, uh, but he's more of one of those move tight ends. The Steelers have been trying them out the past few years. None have really worked out that great, but I can see the Steelers trying them since they feel confident in the blocking abilities of Gentry and Farm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Polamau is a is a really intriguing prospect because of the name recognition in Pittsburgh. Obviously, you've got that, um, but like you said, a talented player too, and his stock is is coming up, especially after a a really good um, combine performance. Um, given the fact that that there are several um, Steeler bloodlines in this draft, especially later picks. I can definitely see them going that direction. And we got a chance to talk. If you didn't get a chance to see it, we got a chance to talk with uh, Quentin Lake, son of Carnell Lake, uh, safety from U, uh, UCLA. In an earlier episode, I'd encourage you to go check that out. It was a really fun conversation. Great guy. If he, he, if he becomes a Steeler, I think uh, you and I would both be very excited about that, as we would for Isaiah Pulamau, uh to be a Steeler coming out of USC. James Mitchell is interesting to me. Um, If they're going to go tight end, I think they go Connor Hayward. Uh, That's just kind of my thought on it. But um, developmental guy um, for sure that they could take a look at. My first pick in round seven was a running back, Abram Abram Smith from Baylor, another one of my favorite players. I do think that the Steelers could go after a versatile running back prospect 
to pair with Najee Harris. I, I think they understand that they can't run the wheels off too fast on Harris or they're going to have wasted their uh, investment of a first-round pick at the running back position. And uh, they've got to get great usage out of him these next few years to be contenders on offense with the quarterback situation in flux. So bringing in a guy like Smith with the versatility to uh, catch the ball, to change the pace from the bigger, stronger Harris, uh, to really be the scat back that the Steelers haven't found. Um, You know, maybe they give uh, Anthony McFarland a chance this year. If not, Abram Smith seems like a guy that they could go get. And then my final pick was a developmental guy at linebacker, a big guy. We've talked about the buck linebacker position ad nauseum on the show. Uh, It's an important position for the Steelers three, four defense that they have run traditionally. Robertson kind of fits that mold. He might not be as fast as what you're looking for there, um, but size wise, tenacity wise, he, he never stops. He's a total motor guy. And uh, the, the size and physicality traits are there, 6'4", 240 pounds, um, definitely somebody that they could um, try to envision as a developmental prospect at the buck position. Did you have any other thoughts on the mocks, Andrew, before we take a break? No, let's get into the linebackers after the break. Okay, sounds good. Stick with us. We're going to talk inside linebackers here in a second. Welcome back to the Steelers draft fix. Andrew, we didn't mention it at the top of the show, but um, I've really been enjoying some of the other podcasts uh, from behind the steel curtain.com. And I know you get a chance to listen to those uh, when you can and uh, just great insights from a lot of different guys. We get to communicate with them uh, more than uh, the average reader and just some knowledgeable guys uh, uh, about football, about the Steelers. Um, And so just as a general plug for the behind the steel curtain.com podcast network, go and check out any and all of these shows, great personalities and guys who love their Steelers and love football. Um, it's something you got to get into. If you, if you like this show, if you like some of the other shows that you might have uh, had a chance to listen to, don't forget to try them all. It's a great family of podcasts here at behind the steel curtain.com. Your one-stop shop for all things, Pittsburgh Steelers. With that being said, let's jump into linebackers. Um, Andrew, we're we're going to get to inside linebackers on the big board here in a few weeks. Is that correct? I believe so. Yep. Good. So we've been doing some some work on these guys, and man, there's a lot of day two guys, isn't there? This year, it feels like the middle of this class is is very uh, thick, huh? Uh, with talent. Tal- what do you think? Yeah, thick athletically as well as thick in terms of depth in the draft. Yeah, I I mean, there have been several classes. I believe it was the 2020 class where you had a lot of guys. You had Willie Gay. You had Logan Wilson. You had a lot of those day two guys that had a lot of athletic upside. I feel like this class is very similar to that and maybe even a little bit deeper. I mean, I have – 
I'm trying to see. I've got, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I have 14 linebackers in my top 120 prospects. Wow. So it's, yeah. it's a very deep class at linebacker. And there's a lot of guys that can play multiple spots at linebackers, Sam, Will, Mike, and then three, four. I mean, some of these guys that we're going to talk about can play literally any spot uh, in terms of uh, middle linebacker. So it's going to be interesting to see where these guys go. And they're really interchangeable. So in the order, right, in these mock drafts are a pain. It's just, you know, what style do you like? It's, right. it's hard to project the one certain team. Yeah, exactly. And uh, because they're all so versatile, it's really just going to be, you know, which random team has a random higher grade on the random player, you know? So it's going to be really, it's really hard to project that out. Um, I think uh, there's general consensus out there um, that there's probably going to be two guys taken on day one. um, And that would be uh, Devin Lloyd from Utah and uh, Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. Do you see anybody else kind of sliding into the back end of that first round from the linebacker group? Well, in my mock draft, one of the surprises, I had Green Bay taking Leo Chanel. And if Nicole right. Dean is still on the board, that would be an excellent pick for Green Bay. But since he was already off the board, I want to say I gave him to the Titans. I'm not positive. I believe I gave him to the yeah. Titans. Uh, and then you got to figure out what do you do? Well, there's obviously the Wisconsin connection with Chanel. Maybe the Packers stay in state, grab Chanel, who's had an outstanding pre-draft process one thing that's interesting about his combine workout is that he chose three of the three of the six major events you got the 40 time you got the bench press you have the broad jump vertical short shuttle and three cone he chose three of those to work on for the combine and then the three that he didn't do at the combine he did it as pro day which is interesting one because that gives you less to focus on at one point but two it also preserves energy for the rest of your workout where you're not doing all of your events all at once. And that was really smart by Chanel. I wouldn't be surprised if more teams decide to do that, especially as we start to get more official times coming from pro days, um, especially after through COVID when we didn't have the combine, they started clamping up on you know more official times at pro days. It's going to be interesting to see if more athletes follow suit because, I mean, it, it, Chanel may have tested just as well if he would have done them all at the combine, but the numbers do speak for themselves. Maybe it did have an impact on his mm-hmm. overall uh, – just his overall strength for the entire workout, not having to deal with as much at one time. It's an interesting thought. I don't have a first round grade on him. I have a late second round grade. His instincts aren't excellent. And I just haven't been a fan of Wisconsin linebackers at all. Outside of Chris Ward. I mean, Zach Bonner was not a fan of. Um, Chanel, he's an athlete, but he's not there yet. He's still very raw. Uh, but he's a guy who could potentially slip the late first round. Quay Walker is the other guy. Gotcha. Yeah, Quay Walker is really interesting to me um, where he played and how much he played. He's got a lot of tread left on those tires and he's a big fast player. And that kind of highlights this group of second day guys. Um, Chad Muma is a guy that we hear a lot about uh, at behind the steel curtain because uh, Shannon white is a huge fan of his. And I think uh, he might be uh, giddy as a schoolgirl If they, if the Steelers decided to take, uh, Muma in the second round. I think you probably don't see Muma go past the second round. Is that cor- is that what you're thinking too? It's possible he does, depending on what teams need. I know if teams are looking for that Mike linebacker and that they really desperately need a coverage guy who has sideline to sideline speed, and Muma has solid speed, but that's not his strength. Right. I feel like you know there's a chance he does slide out round two, but more than likely, I'd say there's about 75 percent chance 
he goes in the top 64 picks, potentially top 50 picks. Wouldn't surprise me if he's gone by the time the Steelers are even up in the second round. But I actually have reached out to Chad Mubon on Twitter trying to get him to come on the show. So if you're listening, Chad, we'd love to have you on the show. Come on. we got a couple other interviews we're trying to work on. Um, hopefully we'll have one for you next week if it all works out as expected. Um, but, yeah, uh, is the guy that is definitely risen boards after his combine workout. Absolutely. An incredible combine. And I think uh, the other guy that had an incredible combine – um, small school guy, Montana State's uh, Troy Anderson. I know um, when we were watching it, you tweeted out that his his straight line speed surprised you a little bit. We knew he was quick. We knew he had sideline to sideline ability, but um, just the the forty yard dash was incredibly fast, and he's a big boy as well. Yeah, I, I have him as my fourth rated linebacker. I'm gonna when it's all said and done, I assume he will be in my top fifty prospects. I don't have my final word. Complete, but I can almost guarantee you it'll be in my top 50 picks. I have some concerns as to how well he's going to be able to disengage from NFL linemen and tight ends uh, because he did struggle with that a little bit, and it was against smaller school competition. But he did add some weight. He's up to, I believe, 243 pounds. That was what he measured in at the combine. His tape is impressive. Has sideline to sideline speed, as is evidenced by his 441 40 time. Didn't expect to be that fast, though. And he's right. surprisingly fluid as well. He's not just a straight line athlete. He's well built, six foot three and a half. So he has some length. He should easily be a second-round pick. It's probably earlier than when the Steelers are going to look at this position. I have a feeling, and I'm curious to see what you think about this, with the Miles Jack signing, again, we can go back and forth as to where he's going to play. Maybe he does. Maybe he is insurance for Devin Bush. Maybe because he's more supposed to be that Mac-type linebacker. Right. But, you know, you don't want to play him in the buck. But the Steelers did draft Buddy Johnson last year. We didn't see him a lot. But do the Steelers maybe believe in him more than what fans tend to think? and maybe they don't address this position as early as we think. I, I'm starting to get that sense. Yeah, I was, I've was. i been feeling that too. That's why I kind of bypassed it um, for wide receiver and safety on day two uh, in my in my mock because um, the Miles Jack signing to me signaled that the Steelers believe in their in-house guys and that Jack is coming in as uh, – as an athletic senior voice and presence in that locker room. And he plays a, such a different style from what we've seen the Steelers play for years and years. Um, if they're going to play him beside Devin Bush, it's, it signals to me a, a little bit of a scheme change as well, more of a uh, package defense that they would be running out as a, as their standard, if you will, as their base defense. But um it seems to me like they they feel pretty good about that position group, despite some of our concerns about um, which players fill which positions on that side. So that's why I did drop them down a little bit too. Uh, but I would not be surprised at all if one of these guys, um, you know, cause it makes Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores fall in love with him, and they, and he just they just have to run that card up there when when he's still there. Uh, the two Georgia guys are intriguing to me just because of their athleticism and the defense they played in. Um, there were so many good guys that there, there that um, even though these guys flashed uh, playmaking potential, they um, they don't have a lot of, of tread taken off the tires. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, Channing Tendall and Quay Walker are two really intriguing prospects there, um, especially since I think the Steelers would love to get their hands on somebody from that historic Georgia defense this last year. Did you have um, 
anybody else that kind of fits in this day two uh, um, grouping of guys. I know we uh, we haven't mentioned Christian Harris yet, but um, as opposed to Muma, who put on weight, um, or I'm sorry, we may have been talking about Anderson there. <laughs> uh, uh, Christian Harris from Alabama seemed to uh, weigh in a lot lighter than we would have expected at the combine. Do you think that plays into his stock at all uh, as we head towards draft day? It could, and I'm not sure really why he dropped the weight. He didn't really need to. I didn't think to run a fast 40 time, and if he did, then it really should affect his stock. Um, his tape was really up and down uh, throughout the entire season, really, uh, and coverage very inconsistent. Against the run, didn't always do a good job of getting off blocks. We'll see what happens. He's talented. There's no denying the talent. Uh, but I think there's a lot more safer options. I have Chad Muma ahead of him. I have Darian Beavers ahead of him as well. Uh, so he's going to probably be my seventh or eighth rated linebacker, probably have an early third round grade on him. Um, and with the Georgia guys, uh, Tyndall, I feel like he's going to be more of a weak side linebacker, not a guy you want uh, controlling the middle of the defense as the Mac or the Mike, depending on what scheme you get, uh, your defense runs. But with Quay Walker, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a sound tackler. His back pedal isn't the smoothest, but he has fantastic range, pretty raw overall. You're going to have to be patient with him. First year may not be pretty all the time, but he can play Mike. He can play Mac, Buck, Sam, Will. He can play any spot that you want him to. It's just maybe a little bit up and down in year one. If you go in with that realization with Quay Walker, I feel like the team that takes a chance on him is going to be happy in the long run because he provides not only versatility, but he provides excellent athleticism. Absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, it may be a pipe dream, but man, how fantastic would that defense look with uh, combinations of Miles Jack, Devin Bush, and uh, Quay Walker coming out onto the field. Um, the Steelers defense is always at its best when their linebacking group is top level. And we've seen the pass rush be top level for years. Uh, we've seen the secondary kind of catch up. And now that's a question mark for the Steelers as well going into this year. But if they could shore up linebacker, you'd think that that would give them a scheme-wise a solid chance to rebound and be more like the 2019 defense that we uh, were expecting to see. Uh, or I'm sorry, 2019-2020 defense that we were expecting to see in 2021 um, that we didn't quite get, especially against the run. Um, Darian Beavers is is a big guy too. Uh, all these guys are big. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, Tyndall not so much, but uh, Beavers and Walker are kind of similar body types. Um, I think teams will have Walker a little higher rated. Um, and then the other guy I see – uh, kind of sneaking in on day two is uh, Brian Osamoa from Oklahoma, uh, but he seems like a smaller guy too that maybe the Steelers wouldn't try to go after. Uh, is that your thought as well? Yeah, pretty much. Osamoa's not a guy I've been extremely thrilled about. He's a decent athlete. Uh, he's pretty good instinctually. He played the run a lot better than what I thought he would have, uh, but didn't really do enough to change games for Oklahoma's defense. Um, and obviously it's the big 12, I'm just not usually a big fan of going into the big 12 to find my defenders just because right. the, just, just looking at their success in the NFL just generally does not work out, especially with middle round guys. For some reason, Esmo is not a guy I have a ton of interest in for the Steelers, but maybe for a four, three team that you can move them around, play a little bit of weak side, play a little bit of Mike, potentially develop into a full-time Mike linebacker. That'd be the best case scenario. But yeah. Not a guy I'm really looking for for the Steelers. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like we're on the same page there. 
then for sure too. Okay, before we go, maybe a couple day three guys that you think the Steelers could target. I know Damone Clark you mentioned in your mock. What do you think about him and maybe a couple others? Well, Damone Clark, he had an incredible, he had an incredible statistical year in 2021. 135 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, an interception, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. And for some And that's in what, 10 yeah. games? <laughs> that's in like I 10 mean, games, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, he he I don't know the number of games. I think he was healthy for the majority of the season, if not the full season, but still very impressive numbers. And for someone his size, he's a pretty good athlete. He's in the range of six foot two, six foot two and a half, 240 pounds, ran a four, five, seven in the 40, had a 36 and a half inch vertical, a seven, one, two in the three cone. However, it was announced last week that he's going to undergo spinal fusion surgery, which is something that could provide chronic issues in the line. But on the other hand, because it does lower his price, it does make him a potential day three steal. And he would be a really nice buck linebacker next to Devin Bush. It allowed Bush to roam free while Clark can help and run support and occasional blitzing. But he's just one guy. I'm going to run through these other four names really quickly. Um, DeMarco Jackson, Appalachian State. He's a guy who really caught my eye mm. in the combine. Uh, and I believe he was at the senior bowl. I'm thinking of the right guy. Maybe thinking of Tariq Carpenter, which is the next guy on my list. But both Tariq Carpenter and DeMarco Jackson, they're underrated athletes. They have good instincts against the run. Both of them, they aren't the most agile or most fluid in coverage. That's an area they're both going to need to improve in. But with Carpenter, he was kind of a safety who kind of molded into a linebacker, morphed into a linebacker his final year, that toward the end of his final year, and that's what he played at the Senior Bowl. Looked really natural doing so. So Jackson Carpenter, guys, late day three, early or late day two, early day three, guys to keep an eye on. Brandon Smith, if you want a boomer bust guy early on day three, look no further than him. His tape is up and down but it's easy to see his athletic tricks. I mean, we've talked about the athleticism in this group of linebackers, but Smith is right up there with Quay Walker. Troy Anderson, Leo Chanel is one of the most athletic linebackers in the class. I believe he reportedly ran a 4.38 in the 40 in high school. Now he's added a good bit of weight, six foot three and a half, 250 pounds now, but he still ran a 4.52 at the combine. And that weight needed to be added because there were several occurrences on tape where he struggled to disengage from blocks and make more challenging tackles. And he obviously has time. He obviously has the athleticism to play, pretty much anywhere you want him to map will Mike, uh, whatever, depending on what defensive scheme, but if he keeps the added weight on, he may be able to handle the buck position because part of the reason he struggled at times in 2021 was because he had a lot more on his plate in 2020. He did not have to communicate as much he really had to deal with difficult run stopping assignments. And before adding weight this past season, Smith's frame was on the slider side. He was used primarily as a coverage linebacker and he was great in that role for the majority of the time. But when that his role increased, he seemed overwhelmed at times, and I'm I'm still digging into his tapes. No final grade on him yet. But if you want to gamble on a guy with traits, Smith could be a guy who pays big dividends. And then I'll just give you these last names really quickly. Jacoby McClain, guy who didn't test as well as I expected, but he plays fast. Micah McFadden, sufficient speed, but he's going to make his dough as a run defender. Um, Terrell Bernard, who's kind of an inside-outside linebacker combo guy, has some blitzing ability from Baylor. And then the last guy, my small school guy from Southern Utah, Laakia Davis. And if you think I'm making that name up, go look him up. He's not the biggest or the fastest linebacker, but he finds his way to the football and he brings some ability as a blitzer, late round UDFA guy worth keeping an eye on. Probably not a guy I would waste my time with, but a guy for the name, you have to give him, you have to at least put him on your board just to be able to, it gives you some credibility just to know how to spell the guy's name, yeah. <laughs> having him on your board on draft day. And then if he follows you, you know, undrafted free agency, you know, man, we didn't get our linebacker that we really wanted, you know, why not take a chance on this guy? Just because 
fans would love him just for the name. And, you know, maybe he's one of those guys that you bring in. Uh, yeah. But he's only like 218 pounds or something like that. He's incredibly Ooh, yeah. slim. He's got to add sure. weight. Um, but he did pretty good against a smaller school of competition. Has some blitzing ability. Has a little bit of pop. We'll see what happens. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't think we put in our research on the Steelers graphics, now you know. Uh, <laughs> definitely Andrew, for sure, puts it in. The credibility rating skyrocketing. Let people know about us, and uh, don't forget to tune in again next week. I, I do think we'll have a an interview for you, um, hopefully, and uh, uh, we will also jump into the wide receiver position group, which has become a little more of a need than we thought it might. So that'll be an intriguing position group position group to go over. Andrew, it's been fun talking linebackers. It's been fun talking mock drafts. Let's do it again next week. For the listener, I hope you have a great week ahead of you. Monday is the start of it. Let's let's keep a keep the flow going throughout the rest of the week and we will get on to the weekend again. This is Jeremy Betts signing off for Andrew Wilbar and behind the steel curtain.com with the Steelers draft fix. We'll see you again next time.